Welcome to The Sustainable Life. This is Joshua Spoda. I'm here with Jonathan Hardesty. How are you doing? Doing good, man. Doing good. I was a little bit cranky earlier for no rational reason, but this is gonna. This is good. This is gonna help me get out of it. I just cool. woke up in a funk, you know. Like sometimes you're like that, but I'm doing good. I'm doing good. So we will give you a rational reason to feel cranky. <laughs> That's awesome. See, you're already helping. I love it. <laughs> Normally, when I record just before recording, the guests and I chat a, a little bit. This time, I said I'm, I wanted to ask you about what's happened in the past week. And I said, no, let's record because I've gotten positive feedback from, we, I've only posted the first episode so far, so they haven't heard the second episode, but there's this genuineness, this authenticity, and people are saying right. he's done, like he did stuff that most of us only dream of. And he, he, it's not that he made it look easy, but it was like, you did it. Right. And let's see, let's see if I can review, because I haven't, I haven't re-listened to the second episode, but I believe that there was some stuff that it ended with, and then we spoke afterward. Yes. There was a melding of like, I wasn't sure what was recorded, what was it, you know? Yeah. I think that when we recorded, I talked to you about the process and I, I demonstrated the process to you with the other guests are now calling this photic method. So, right, right. There you go, man. This photic with a little, with a little R up there, right? <laughs> and, or TM, yeah. Yeah, yeah, TM, that's right. And I think that we talked about doing it and possibly you were considering in, in from then until now, which has been, I think, one week. Yeah. You're considering a couple things. One, or what you're doing is, I think, practicing doing the method with others. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, practicing doing the Spodek method <laughs> right, with others. Right. And I think three people. And yeah. then considering if you wanted to do it as a podcast. And if yeah. so, then to do that, what it might be. Would it be like artists? Would it be Texas evangelicals or some mix or something like that? Yeah. And I think that part was after we stopped recording. That's correct. That's okay. correct. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it was good, man. Like I, I had, I'm still waiting on a friend. Like I wanted a friend. So I did three. So I said, all right, I'll just do three people in my family. So, because I was waiting on a friend, like there was one guy that I knew, I really want to talk to him. And I, he doesn't know anything about what we talked about. Mm-hmm. And I've talked to some of my other friends about it. Cause they were asking me, they're like, what's that? What's that guy that, you know, like, like there. So he's like, one of the ones garbage. <laughs> Right, right. So he doesn't know. So I'm waiting on him because, and I, I so I have scheduled a time with him, but he's, you know, I have to nail him down, but I want him to, cause he'll, it'll just be out of the blue for him. So mm-hmm. I feel like that'll be really good because like my family, like I did it with them, but they kind of know a little bit, but uh-huh. it still was interesting because, so I'll tell you kind of what I, what I realized from it. So what I realized from it was that it was the same sort of hangups that you were mentioning to me where when you say, what does it mean to you? And everybody's like, whoa, like everybody kind of looks like, well, I don't understand what that question means, you know, like at first, or it was just like this broader sense. My kids. You know, like this, this broad, right. It was very, very, it was so interesting because you had sort of narrowed down your approach and it was exactly what was, and then I like was asking the, the big hang up with the people in my family that I, when I was talking to them about it was what they would do so for me, which which was interesting, because for me, I was like, oh, I don't know. I just thought I'll just pick up trash, cut off my power for a little bit, you know, and and do that. like the, to me, it like wasn't too difficult. Like I just kind of thought of something, but that was actually the hangup with most of the people that I was talking with is, is they were like, well, what they were like, I don't know, I don't know what to do, and I was like, well, you literally could be a lot of different things. You could, you know, it just needs to be something achievable. It needs to be something you could do yourself. And we were talking about all that, you know, and, and I said, you don't need to save the world. You know, right now you don't need to like 
you know, clean up all the oceans, you know, by yourself or whatever, mm-hmm. or, or, you know, convert the whole house to electricity right now, you know, or solar or whatever, you know, but once I, I was able to kind of talk through and this, I did my kids too. And they were like one, they were like one unit, like my kids, you know, I just kind of talked to them at the same time and they even had the same experience. But what was interesting about them is when I mentioned it to them and I said, what does the environment mean to you? And they were kind of like, well, I don't, what do you mean? Like, because, you know, they're younger. So they were like, what do you mean? And I said, well, you know, nature and stuff like that. And immediately they started thinking about the, their bike rides. Like my daughter said, her bike rides and like, you know, f- like feeling the wind in her face. And my son, which was so fascinating, like so interesting. He said, well, I really like pansy flowers. And I was like, like the pan, like pansies. And I was like, what any, what any Texas father wants to hear from his son, I know, right? <laughs> which is hilarious. Cause he like trains MMA with me and stuff. And he wants to be like a race car driver. And he's like, I like, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, but I don't care. I'm like, Oh, interesting. Cause I, I stop and look at that stuff too. Being an artist. I'm like, I never, I would joke with my friends and they're talking about football. I'd come talk about ballet just to make them annoyed, you know? And, mm-hmm. and I said, so I love that. But I asked him, I was like, Oh, why? And he said, well, I, that's the only kind of that the blue and the yellow ones, he said, I can see them exactly the way they are because he's colorblind. Uh, so he said those. So he mentioned that. So it was interesting to hear them. They immediately went to the personal side, you know, and I guess it's because they don't they don't have in the chamber like that answer ready. Like I need to, you know, well, I need to, you know, not use gas or not, you know, or whatever like they or we need to stop being reliant on foreign oil or, you know, whatever they, you know, whatever people store up in their mind about what they're going to say about the environment. They haven't been judged. They haven't been misunderstood. They haven't had someone say like, oh, you care about pansies. 10 million people in Bangladesh are going to be displaced like this year. Right. And you're worried about a pansy? Right. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yes. uh, This future generations. That's what I meant. I meant future generations. That's Is that good? Is that good? Yes. Right. Uh Right. Exactly. And my kids too, like, and I've sort of, it, this actually rubs teachers the wrong way, but I've like, the way we talk is not like, we just were very honest. If I asked them, well, how do you feel about me right now? I don't want them to say, I want them to say, I, I kind of don't like you right now or something, or I want them to say how they actually feel. I don't want them to say what I want. I, I'm not that kind of person, you know? So we're, we're just very, like when my wife asks me, if, does this dress how does this dress look on me? And I say, it doesn't look good, babe. Like it, you know, I just say it, you know, cause she knows that I think she's beautiful, but it's not, I'm going to be honest with her. So anyways, yeah. we kind of do that. In- and that's what you want to people to, that's what you want to receive. Yeah. Yeah. So my kids have sort of, then when they meet teachers and the teachers like ask them a, a question or whatever, and they say, you know, what is just honest in the moment? Like, well, I don't really see this as being, you know, valuable. Can you explain why or whatever? They're like, they don't like the questioning Mm-hmm. of, you know, that, that sort of thing, you know, <laughs> but so anyways, it was interesting to hear them, to hear them do that. And my wife's, I knew, I kind of knew what she was going to say, like right off the bat, she loves the beach and she grew up on the beach. She grew up in Summers Point and she would just go to the beach. Like she would wait, like she loved it off season. Cause all the tourists were gone. She lived like, you could feel the, the wind from the the beach. Like, you know, the cool breeze, like hitting her house. Like when I would come visit her, Mm-hmm. And she was there till after we left college, I think her family was. And so she was there. She grew up there. She would go get pizza on the beach or something like that or whatever. And she had all these memories there walking on the boardwalk and doing all that. And and so that for sure for her, she was like, that's her, that's her place. Like she, if she goes to the beach, man, she's just like, 
she uh, she just sits back and relaxes and stuff. Did you ask her what the emotions that she felt were? Did you like repeat them back? No, I didn't. I mean, I kind of I, see. For me, I know her, and so I guess that's why. But I, I didn't ask them about that. I should have asked them. That, that's right. Yeah, that's a real. That's like the the end of of part one is mm-hmm. the deliverable is for for you to say. Because maybe she feels tr- tranquil, but maybe she feels excited. Very different. Right. That's true. That's very true. Maybe she feels like a longing or an, an eternity or a connection with the oneness. You know, there's lots of things it could be, and it could be many of these things. Right. And that's for you to lead her what you, when you know what those emotions are and you connect with them, that's yeah. much more effective as leadership. Now, from her perspective, when someone says to you, like right now, I'm reading off of you a feeling of like you missed out on something, but like, oh, now I know how to do it better. Like maybe you feel a bit of gratitude toward me and a feeling of like anticipation and enthusiasm of of doing it better the next time. Right, right, right. How does it feel that I just said that? Oh yeah, that's good. It's like, yeah, I'm like, like, yeah, that's that's right. (laughs) It generally feels good when someone reads, when someone can say your emotions, you can, yes, that's it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And my daughter's so good at that too. I guess a big deal for you is probably, I wonder, I'm not an artist, so I can't say this. Uh, You know, I don't paint. If someone looks at your painting, oh, you described this with someone. Someone looked at one of your paintings and said, is it about X or something like that? And you're like, yes, that's what it was really about. Yeah. Yeah. So I did a portrait. So this has happened a bunch of times over the years, but specifically I did a portrait about my mother-in-law and some, some artists, like I I've heard that Sergeant, like John Singer Sergeant didn't want to know anything about the people he was painting. And some people don't want to know anything. Some people want to know everything about the person that they're painting. Mm-hmm. And I always need to talk to the person. Like if I'm doing a portrait commission, I talk to him. And even if it's, if it's what people would perceive as being something negative that I observed, I don't really see it that way. Like I, somebody who's an extreme personality, they may be really harsh on the outside but you're going to appreciate that person when they push you to be better or something like that, or vice versa. Somebody might be really super nice and it's great and it's really comfortable to be around them. But then when you need somebody that really kind of, you know, prods you forward, they're not going to do it, you know? So for me, I always look at personalities as sort of, it's always like a balance. So, but I make these observations about people and it, it really, to me, is not negative or positive, but I will try to take those personality traits and try to, try to find a way technique wise to utilize them. So like Richard Schmidt would always say he's a great painter and, and um, he's done so many paintings over the course of his life. But he, he said, you know, you, if you want to capture like the wonder in a little girl's eyes or something like that, I'm paraphrasing, but he said, uh, he said, you, you have to do it on a technical level. Like you have to figure out how to do that, like how to convey that mm-hmm. and what it means. And it isn't just on a technical level, it's on an emotional level, but but you have to figure out how to translate that and that sort of thing. So on that portrait, I was making those observations about my mother-in-law and I know her really well, you know, just to make it shorter, like I threw a bunch of those observations in and then a person came up to me and basically like, it was another artist and just said everything about her. I see this, 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 and and I was like, whoa, that was crazy to me because that was the first time people had said, oh, I I get what you're doing here and I get what, but that was the first time anybody just completely down the list, nailed it with, you know. You said it was crazy. How did it make you feel? What emotions did you feel as he read exactly what you were expressing? Yeah, it was, it was actually a woman. It was a woman. And she like totally connected. Like I felt like that connection. I was, and I also felt, well, I felt like two things. So I felt like definitely like, wow, like happy about the connection. There was that, you know, like when you meet somebody who's a friend and you kind of have the same interests or the same type of thing and you kind of gel. 
Mm-hmm. It was that sort of thing. Kindred spirits. Where you feel understood. Yeah, you feel understood. And um, and so that was sort of like, I guess, comforting in a way or not, or exciting, I guess. But then also it was, it sort of gave me a good sense of accomplishment as well, because I was like, whoa, I was able to communicate that. Cause that's really what art is. And all the struggle with technique and all the struggle with all that stuff is to try to say something, even if it's very subtle or very simple. The struggle is to try to say something. And, and this is where I think a lot of times people don't, I don't know if they evaluate their own art or other art that way, but I, to me, and it depends on how people approach it, but my approach is it's communication. And so if, if my job is to be able to communicate that in a meaningful and sort of interesting way. So that was, to me was like, I was excited about that because I was like, well, it worked, you know, <laughs> like it worked and, and I didn't have to say anything. I don't have to write a whole, you know, book or a little description on the painting. Like they just got it, you know? And, you know, it, it's always that, man, there's always the balance between ambiguity you know, just stating it straight out and, and you have to find that good balance. It's tricky, but yeah, yeah, it was cool. That feeling that you got from feeling understood. I don't know yet what, if you plan to continue and do more podcast, do the podcast and so forth, but for the people that you did, it, especially with your wife, you can still do this, go back to her and right. say, these are the emotions that I heard. Did I get that right? She'll probably correct you and say, you might say satisfaction. She might say, mm, it's more fulfillment, something like that. Yeah. And you will give her that feeling because right. she expressed something to you. Right. She wasn't expressing it like I, sometimes they'll say, I felt excitement. Usually, but usually when it's a, one of the big ones, like excitement, happy, uh-huh. rage, sad, love. Right. If you get the real nuances, because love is yes. different than infatuation, and, totally. and, which is totally. different than lust, which is different than right. loathe, not loathe, but I mean, it is very, yeah, I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha, uh, Adore, I, gotcha. I was yeah. going to say. Right. How did I say loathe when I'm in a door? Freudian slipper. Anyway. <laughs> it's like two sides of the coin, you know? <laughs> when people get that understanding, it's, it's as I said before, as a leader, you'll you more effectively lead them. But on their part, they'll be like, oh man, that's why I would bet that it took her. Yes, she enjoyed saying it, but I bet as, as you ask for more confirmation, she'd probably go into like the moment and really put some mental right. effort in. Probably an enjoyable mental effort. But that, right. that, period at the end of the sentence, that, that reciprocity, the reciprocation of it feels so good. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally. And I think that that's where that sort of approach is applicable pretty much with everything, like every kind of communication that you, you know, every kind of communication that you have with somebody like that's they, people are want to feel understood, you know, and if they don't, it's like we were talking about, what were we talking about when I said, when you, you said, I said, calm down to the, that person. You're like, oh, isn't that the worst thing ever to say, calm down to somebody? But it really, it is like, you know, just hearing you say that, like, it's, it's sort of talking down to him kind of when you say calm down, like, it's like almost like condescending, I guess, mm-hmm. you know, in a way. Well, it's it's um, aggravating. I, right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It would be even better to say, you know, even if you were going to say something off the cuff, it would be better to say, well, what's going on? What's, what's going on? You know, even mm-hmm. that's, that's not quite there, but it's, it's at least better than, <laughs> you know? so it's interesting. So that for me, like, I would definitely say that to my kids, Hey, calm down, calm down. You know, I would say, yeah. definitely say that, you know, I'm cringing. Right. And so, and so I do want, and like what I'm saying actually is, Hey, we can figure this out. You know, we can figure this out. Whoa. Like just don't be, don't let your emotions override what we're talking about right now. But it's, that's different than saying that, you know? Yeah. It'd be, I think even more effective than what's going on is, to identify the emotions that they feel and see if, if you can understand them. 
But right. I don't want to get into problem solving with parents and children because I'm not a parent. Yes, yes, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I do want to go back to, um, you were talking about communication and, and yeah, it takes effort to communicate. And the right. only way to communicate is to be understood. Right, right. If we get that confirmation back, it means we achieved our goal. Right. The reason people don't communicate about what they care about the environment is not that they don't care. Mm -hmm. They do care, but they protect themselves, making it all the more valuable when they do actually come out from behind their protections or drop the Mm -hmm. protections and someone confirms that feeling. It's even more value. It's a case. It's an instance where the value is even greater. So if you, if you say like, um, what color is the sky? The sky's blue. Oh, blue. Yeah. Blue. Ah, you confirm that. Right. Okay. It's better than coming back and be like, you think it's green? No, I said blue for a reason. It's blue. Right. that's not that meaningful, but if it's something about yeah. something that they protect themselves on, then it, totally. it counts more. Yeah. And yeah. And I mean, and that's your, like, you're always struggling with that as an artist, like as an artist, you're always, I think it was Clapton or somebody, I don't even know if it's the, a true quote, but I like the quote. It's, it's, he said something like, I've got all these melodies in my head and like, I, I struggle to get them out, you know? And, and that's sort of the thing as an artist, you're just trying to, you're trying to get yourself out of the way in terms of communicating and, and, and trying to get that or your, your lack of skill out of the way, you're trying to get that, that, that you don't want that to inhibit the communication. And so, you know, of course, I guess you have to have something to say to begin with, you know, but that's where a lot of times with art, like when people are, when there's art criticism, I actually don't like it most of the time because they assign meaning to the artist without ever so either there's one of two things that happens. Either the artist like lists everything out that they were thinking, you know, and which I think is like, you know, for art, it kind of steals the joy of it. But then also the other thing is... Wait, the artist lists that or the critic lists that? The artist. The artist will sometimes list, like they'll have a book next to it. Like, this is what uh-huh. I was thinking. And this is the, you know, and I'm like, you know, let people, let people go through the process with you a little bit, at least, mm-hmm. you know. But then there's the other side where it's like, it's what I always call like art masturbation, because they're just like, I don't care if you get this. I don't care if you understand this. Like I made this art for myself. It's like a very selfish thing. And, and they don't care if anybody understands. They're like, I do like, they're not trying to make anything better. They're not trying to edify anybody. They're just like, this is just what I do. And so whatever you want to take from it, you can. And, you know, so there's like the, there's those two extremes. And so a lot of the art criticism, they just, they're dealing with people that are, taking that approach. So they just assign a, a random meaning to it and just start talking about it. Mm-hmm. And so it's interesting. So it's interesting that way. I think, you know, the struggle is always for me when I, when I, when I look at a piece of art, I want to know what the artist's intent was because that changes the, the communication, you know? And so somebody may look at something, for instance, and say, that's just a blob on the page and, or look at Guernica or something like, you know, you know, like a painting like that. And, say, well, it's just a bunch of parts all smashed together or something. And then when somebody's like, oh, well, it's like actually about war and it's about this. And you're like, oh, well, that makes sense. You know, that makes sense why you'd use that subject matter. And even, even, you know, artists who are perhaps have a message that you don't agree with, like you may not agree with what they wanted to say, but at least you would see their chosen vehicle and the method they use to communicate that you'd say, well, that's very effective at communicating that, you know, if you wanted to communicate sort of like a nihilistic view on the world, you could, you could do that with, by artistic means. And that would actually give you like, for instance, I said, there's this one guy that I painted next to at a workshop once and he had a lot of disturbing imagery. And even like the way he painted was like, everything was dripping and stuff like that. 
And so I just started talking to him and I said, Hey, I said, this is interesting. I said, this technique is a phenomenal painter. I mean, phenomenal, but it would be like, you know, I mean, it was like, you wouldn't show it to your grandma kind of a, a thing, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I asked him, uh, so I was asking him questions and stuff. And I mean, like I said, phenomenal painter. I mean, just skill wise, just off the charts. And, and I said, you know, I was asking him in the course of, of a bunch of things. I said, you know, are you going to have, have kids ever or something like that? And he goes, no, I would never mess up my kids by having, you know, by raising them. He's like, I, I'm not ever going to have kids. He's like, I don't want to mess a kid up that bad. You know, he's like, and all this stuff. So anyways, my point is, that all of this stuff that was coming out in his paintings was really an outgrowth of what he had been hurt by in the past and all of those things. And the methodology, the subject matter, the way that he painted it was all sort of that communication and that it was almost like a grieving way for him to kind of come forward. But if you were just to look at it and not evaluate his intention, you would really think, oh, this guy's just like, you know, a pervert. Or you just think like, He's this, you know, what, you know, or whatever. I don't know what people would think about it, or he's just dark, or he's just whatever. But he's really, it really was born out of all that. And when you stop and you actually talk to him and see a little bit of that. So, anyways, it's just funny how, how, what you're talking about, how to, like, I'm not the greatest communicator, but in terms of art, all the, everything you're saying makes sense because it really translates that way of communicating and understanding where that person's coming from and why they made those choices and why they did that, like, really getting to the heart of all that. It's it's fascinating, actually. I don't know. So I'm listening to this all thinking about, I'm thinking a couple of things. One is, oh, this is a very long digression. Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> or I do that. I really do that. And I'm sorry. So that, that'll be part <laughs> of your craft. If you choose to do the podcast, is like the craft of like having them be the voice. Like, you right. know, you're, you're, right. the, you're the accompanist, they're the soloist. But also, I've been meaning to talk to you about how I'm singing these days for yes. the first time in my life. And so I'm listening to the artistic, and I view what I'm doing with the podcast and the book, it's art, it's emotional expression in order to get evoke emotion and motivate others. Yeah. But more than anything else, I want to find out what happened. I want to get back on to like, I want to set an agenda yes. of, or, or I'm so sorry. I, I'm the rabbit trail master. And I'm sorry. Where, where has that led? So you talk to your wife and kids, you're waiting mm-hmm. to get back from a friend. Yeah. I'm hearing so far that one, the wife talked about the beach. One son mm-hmm. talked about pansies. Yeah. and color and and then they had, there was challenge in hearing what to do right did anyone commit to something with it and and commit to us and schedule a second conversation with you yeah so like and it was interesting because sam was they all said oh yeah we'll talk in a week and stuff like that sam was my son sam he was like he was like going back and forth and he was like so i said he said well maybe i can do something that's related to that he said maybe i can go water everybody's flowers or something like that. I said, well, that's going to be a little bit, you know, tricky. I was like, that's a little bit tough, you know, and, and, you know, if you could, yeah, I don't know if people would necessarily, you could, I said, it's a little tricky, like the dynamics of that. You'd have to, you know, figure all that out. I said, but, but that's good. But my daughter, we, what would we figure out for him? He said, he said he wanted to, they both were, oh, she, my daughter said on her bike ride, she said, I love my bike ride. She said, so I'm going to, I'm going to take a bike ride each day. I'm going to turn off like whatever kind of computer or whatever they have for school or whatever. She was going to do the same sort of thing and like turn it off. Mm-hmm. And then she said, I'm going to, she was going to pick up trash, but also do something else while she was on her bike ride. So she said uh-huh. like the part that she likes, she was going to like make something, make it a part of that. And I think my son, Sam, I think at that point he said that he was going to uh, do that with her. He was like, Oh, I like that idea. I'm going to do that with you. So then they could take a bike ride together. So the interesting thing about that 
was I said to him, I said, look, I said, see what's already happening. I said, you're deciding to do this thing. I said, now you guys are going to be talking. You're going to be taking a break from things. You're going to, you're going to have this, you're going to be enjoying outside. You're going to be doing all these things that are a product of you just deciding to, to do this. And I think my daughter was thinking of that because she's, they sort of just jumped on board with me too. Like they would go with me wherever I went and they were picking up trash and that. So I think she just wants to continue to to do that too. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting, it, but we'll see how it, how it goes when I touch back with them and, and see all of that. Did I talk to you about the questions the second time? No, I don't think so. So what would you do like the second time to... So the second time is usually much easier because there's less defenses. They're usually talking about what they, their experience. Right. And so I have uh, four questions that I ask at this stage and I'll, I'll give it a bit of why I go in the order that I do. A lot of people, people generally have a positive experience, an experience that they would say, oh, I'm glad I did that. The positive experience, they start associating how they felt doing it with why they did it in the first place, which is not why they did it in the first place. Why they did it was that original thing. Right. So if your wife, or say um, your daughter picks up garbage on her bike ride, right? maybe she'll find that it gives her like an extra awareness of, of her surroundings, or maybe it gives her better exercise because she's just stop and start. And maybe she finds, oh, this is really right. Uh, before I just liked riding and now I stop and start. And that's kind of an extra thing. Right. Then she might feel like, oh, like this is a nice fitness thing. Maybe she'll come to mm-hmm. that. Yeah. But that's not why she did it originally. If you want her to keep doing more to the meaning came from that original thing. So right. I want to make sure. So I start by asking them, what was your reason for doing it? And what, what did you commit to? Now, they really want to start by saying what they did, but that's why I start with that question. Mm-hmm. What was your reason? What motivated you in the first place? What was your, you know, right. what was your sledding hill for people who saw my TEDx talk where I talk about my sledding hill? Right. So that's question number one. Yeah. What was your motivation? What did you commit to? Yeah. Then that's usually a quick answer. Then the next question is, okay, what happened? This is right. really like, they may be going on for like 10, 20 minutes at the stage. Sometimes it's really short too. Right. They'll give a play-by-play and a lot of the cool stuff that happened. They'll, you know, they'll dwell on the part that they like the most. Sometimes you'll have someone who they sense what they believe you want to hear and they'll give you that. Right. Or sometimes they're, they didn't do it or they did it half-assed or they didn't really, and then they want to kind of fudge a bit. I've had that happen. You can tell. I, yeah. Maybe not. Yeah. I can't really. And sometimes they kind of play it up. It's like, oh, you know, I went without coffee mugs or I went without like, disposable coffee cups and I brought a mug with me. Oh my God, I had no idea. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I think you're hamming it up a bit there. But I never say that, right? I, I, I just want to hear what they have to say. Right, right. Then I say, okay, that was the play-by-play. So now it's question number two. Question number yeah. three is, all right, that was the play-by-play. That's what happened. What was the emotional journey? Now, if I just ask the emotional journey, they'll tend to, they'll give me the height. So I say, before they answer, I say, going back to when you first had the idea to commit to it, saying to yeah. me that you're going to do it, planning, yeah. if there's any planning involved. Then when you first did it, second did it, third did it, then afterward reflecting on it, even up until now, what was that emotional journey? Yeah. Hopefully they'll give a more full picture than just the peak experience. Right, right. right. What's behind it, not just what it is or what they did, or I mean, what was behind it, right? Well, the feel, I mean, the emotion, to me, the meaning is not in the actions. The meaning is in the emotions that come from it. Hmm. And uh, they might be different than they first thought. They usually feel good. It, it, my read is that they feel good getting to that, like actually naming that emotion or mm-hmm. those sets of, that set of emotions. And the last one is, what was the uh, relationship experience? Was anyone else involved? Did it affect your relationship with anyone? Interesting, yeah. And those are the four questions. If I, if I feel I keep going, I might ask, 
is, are you done with it? Or do you want to keep going? Right. But those are the, those are the main four questions. And that usually is like a half hour conversation. Right. I mean, I can cut it short if I want. Right. If it's me, then there's rabbit trails and it's like a four hour one. Sorry. <laughs> What's well, up to you? I mean, <laughs> yeah. so now when you, the next time you, if your kid's been doing these things and your wife has been doing something, did your wife commit to anything? Yes. We were kind of like, she, we were talking about it together and I want to, with her, uh, try to reduce some of the trash like that. Because, you know, like I remember, remember, um, remember when, when I was telling you when we were moving in, I don't know if you remember that, like, like, cause it was right when we started talking, I had like all this stuff delivered and all, and it was just like, I was like, gosh, like, I just couldn't believe the mountain of just like with all the packing stuff. It was, anyways, all of that. So anyways, so she had also said that she would do those things with the kids as well. Like, you know, cause she's going to be involved with that as well with them. Mm-hmm. And there was, she had mentioned going to a park and doing something. I can't remember as well. Because it was related to her, I have to ask her again, because it was like going to the park and, and doing something, because it was sort of like sitting at the beach. It was like that sort of thing as well, like where she would be sitting at the beach. So she would go sit at the park, but then also have that side thrown in as well. But also, but we, I, man, the whole trash thing, like it's like reducing it at the source was something that she and I have been talking about. And see, this is kind of bad too, because I've infected them before the process a little hold bit. On, hold on, <laughs> let's go back to what did she commit to, if anything? Oh, so it was the trash thing with me, but then also I can't, I have to ask her what the specifics were, um, but it was because she said it and then the kids said it, but it was going to a park each day. And then I don't know if hers was trash, picking up trash, or if it was shutting, like shutting off her stuff and disconnecting for a bit. You know, I think that's what it was like disconnecting midday and doing that. I have to ask her again. I don't want to get that wrong, but I mean, that's not good if I don't. <laughs> well, that's why I, you probably noticed when, when I set the appointment with you and I, I put it on my calendar and I say, uh-huh. like on the appointment for this meeting, it said three practice runs or something like right, that. So right, I don't right. have to remember it. And I presume on the other person's end, that they, right. it also helps them. And that's also yes. cements the smart goal part. That's right. That's right. Oh yeah, totally. I can't help them if I don't know what they're trying to do. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. I forget, I, that's, that's dumb. I think cause I talked to my kids a while after that. So I just kind of glossed over that. I think, unfortunately it's technique. The first couple of times you learn. That's right. That's right. That's right. And like I said, I kind of infected them because we were having all these conversations before, you know, uh, when I was going through the process. So it's not quite, that's fine. I mean, I do podcast episodes with people that I know and that comes out. That's true. That's true. And most people have had some experience with they've tried something environmental or they tried to go no straws for a while, something like that. Yeah. So this isn't a clinical exercise. Yeah. And it won't, and you know, person to person, it won't be like that. Yeah. That's interesting though, going without straws and going, you know, why don't we just all have whatever, like a wood straw or like a metal straw or something or, oh, oh, I know what it was. I got it. I know what my wife and I talked about. Duh. Because we had talked about all that stuff. Okay, so she was going to compost. She was going to start composting. Uh-huh. That's what it was. That's what it was. So she was going to start composting every day and set all that up and do that. So she was going to find items around the house that she can compost, set that up, and start putting them in each day. That's what it was. Dang it. Okay. I can. Yeah. Because I talked about that other stuff, and I said, "Well, I'm going to do that." And then she said, "That yes, got it." <laughs> it sounds like then between now and maybe the next time we talk, if how long of their how long were their commitments? Just a week. Just I just a said week? a week. Yeah. All right. And since, yeah. that, since it's been a week since we talked, it, should we do longer? Should we do- it's up to them. It, you got to let them come up with it. Okay. Because if, if they say, all right, I'm going to compost and you go, great, let's talk in a week, then maybe that's not enough time. Maybe it's too long. Right. You know, someone who 
someone who says, I'm going to try going vegan, if they're a heavy meat eater, maybe one 24-hour period is a lot. Right, right. That's true, actually. But I had one guest who said, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stop eating meat forever. I was like, you know, I didn't say anything. Like, no, I've been meaning to do that. This is like, I, I wanted to do that. Yeah, yeah. Just to, like, this is a side note, but this is just because I just don't know. How much would you say in estimation, like eating meat and not eating meat, like does that play a really, really big role in like just a lot of different areas of the environment? I mean, obviously animals, I know that, but I'm saying like the other aspects of it too, does it play like a massive role? Um, Because I've heard you mention that three or four times. And I I mean, I do think that would help, you know, the way animals are treated and all that stuff. But I'm just curious what the other side of it is as well. It's a common, I say it because it's a common thing that people commit to. And it's an easy one in the sense of, it's a matter of food choices. Now, if they feel like, oh, right. I have to eat meat, I'm going to die without it, then it might, it might be difficult for them in terms of in their internal struggle. Right. They know that there are people who are vegan who aren't dying. And they know that right. the, <laughs> there is affordable food around them that's vegan. So, right, but, you right. know, it's, it's yeah. what's inside. Well, you are, but, right? You're vegan, right? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Okay, gotcha. And I want to frame it also that it's important in the long run to know how big of, of an effect different things make. Switching out light bulbs... Right almost negligible. It, it, is a, it is a step in terms of- Right, it's a, right, right. Now, just simply turning your lights off, if you leave them on all the time, it's going to be a bigger effect. But hmm. some of the bigger ones are not eating or stopping, depending on how much meat someone eats, then dropping the meat. If someone doesn't eat much meat, then dropping the last little bit numerically might not make that much of a difference. Right. But for the average, if the average American goes from eating meat to not eating meat, it's one of the bigger things. It's on the scale of switching from an internal combustion engine car to a, an electric car, not counting the embedded right. cost of the- the actual car itself. Cause if it's a new car, then, and you, anyway, this lots yeah. of nuances to the accounting. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. But what we're doing here is it's a difference between what I call leadership and what I call management. So management, you're asking a management question, which is very important. If you want to get a project done, you have to get the, you have to manage it well. Right. That means, so when I say management, I mean, focusing on measurable outcomes, facts and figures, incentives, right. And making the system more efficient. When I say leadership, it's usually not things that can be measured so well. It's the stories and beliefs and the images and the values. When a manager succeeds, a manager gets compliance. When a leader succeeds, a leader inspires. If you inspire but don't manage, you get dreamers. If you manage but don't inspire, you'll get a bureaucracy. So you want both. Yeah. So in this regard, what someone does first if measuring makes the person feel judged, it can often inhibit them more than if... So I'd rather have someone mm. do something that they care about, feel, oh, I can act right. on what I care about and this feels meaningful. I want to, What next can yeah. I do? And then they will find out for themselves, say they switch bulbs, then they can say, actually, the very first person who started this before the podcast began, I was sitting with this friend. I was telling him how I picked up garbage every day for years. Mm. And I was probably talking about how the insight that gives you into this dark side of people is big. And anyway, he just out of the blue says, oh, I'll pick up 10 pieces a day for 30 days. I didn't suggest it. I'm, he just did it. Right. When we talked 30 days later, well, I'll mention the, the, one of the big things he said was that at the beginning, he felt weird picking up trash because people might see him. At the end, he felt weird right. p- passing it by without picking it up because right. that had become normal right. for him. And most of us who pick up garbage every day, as you, pro- as you felt like you want people to see you and ask why, so that you can tell, yeah, because right. you like it. You're not ashamed of yourself. You're ashamed, if anything, of not having done it earlier. Well, that's the thing. Like I'll run, I'll be running somewhere and like, 
I've got to run and my kids are there and I see something, I'm like, dang it. Like, or what, you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, you know, or something like that. I feel like I'll be like, dang it, I should have picked that up or I should have stopped. I should have, you know, and sometimes it feels overwhelming like that. You're like, but I can't, I guess I can't pick up everything. You're like, you know what it feels like? It felt like when I went to, to Kenya and I was working with orphans for like a year or not a year, a week and a half, sorry. Mm-hmm. And the person that was there just kind of got us plugged in and they were like, look, they were like, take breaks. They said, you have to take breaks. And they, I was like, what? They said, she said, trust me, you're not going to want to. She said, you're going to feel like you're just going to work yourself to death because you're going to see these people that need this stuff. And they're like, they're like, you have to take a break, you know, but you just feel guilty the whole time because you're just like, look at everything that needs to be done. You know what I mean? Like, you know, and so anyways, I feel like that because I'll see people, I'll be like, I know I can't get every piece of trash, but I hate when I, I'm on a, in the car and I'm driving by and there's a box and I'm on the highway or something. And I'm like, <sighs> like it's a big old fat thing, just like sitting out there. Whatever, yeah, this is, this is what happens is people want to do more and more and more. And that's why I don't right. like to focus right. on the amount because Actually, picking right. up garbage doesn't actually decrease the amount of garbage in the world. It just moves it right. from one place right. to another. It just moves it, right. And right. I yeah. think it's healthier. I think it, it, it maintains Earth's ability to sustain life and society more if that trash is in a landfill than in the ocean. Right. But in terms of numerically, it doesn't really make much of a difference. But you right. can hear anyone listening you to you to can tell it. that you want to do more. Right. And the guy that I was just talking about after he picked up garbage 10 pieces a day for 30 days he independently researched what more he could do because he liked the experience. And he found right, out that right. diet was a difference. And so he, I think he cut his meat intake by half. And he looked at weight, so the, he had to work out his macros. It wasn't like a trivial thing for him to do. Right. That's one of the things that started this off was I didn't tell him how to, what was next. He figured that out on his own because he wanted to. And that's why right. I will tell you that changing your diet is a fairly big thing on the scale of things one can do. Mm-hmm. But whatever they start with, the right. joy, the connection, the community, that's the bigger issue. And then yeah. now the second biggest thing that I know of, which is the biggest thing I've ever seen reported is having one less child or having a smaller family. Hmm. Interesting. It's not, I mean, it's not even comparable. It's like, huh. if you want, I can send you this graph because it's the only graph that I'm putting in my book because I don't want the graph to be about numerical stuff, but right. it's important to know. So on this graph, it shows the tons of carbon dioxide or equivalent that are saved per year by doing different changes. Uh-huh. Changing the bulbs is like, is like barely shows up on the graph. Yeah. Some of the bigger ones are changing your diet, switching cars to electric, but even yeah. switching cars to electric is nothing compared to like riding a bike, but that doesn't show up on the graph. Right. Or living closer to your office. Yes. Saving one transatlantic flight per year is on scale. So this is like 2.5, hmm. two, 2.5 uh, tons of carbon dioxide equivalent. Something like, I forget the exact numbers. Mm-hmm. They, these things topped out at about two and a half tons a year. Having one less child, 58. Jeez. Well, is it just because it's a lifetime of, of carbon dioxide production or what's the... I'll let you look it up because that's too long of an answer for me to go into. But okay. All right. that's the yeah. global average. Well, Americans are not anywhere close to the global average in what we consume. Right, there are more. For an American not to have one less child, 120. Interesting, interesting. So the smaller families is by far, and, and your father, I, so I can't, my experience of observing families, including my own, yeah. I've not witnessed less love. I don't think that the amount of love in the family correlates with the number of people in the family. I don't think sure. that a smaller family is less loving or less caring. Oh, sure. 
I think, yeah, sure. I don't think that it decreases the value and purpose and meaning of, of, of a family with fewer kids. Yeah. So numerically, the, that's by far the biggest. Oh, that's the second biggest. That's the biggest one that I ever see written down. But there's one much bigger thing, which is to be able to, to develop the skills to lead others. Because, and now that requires that you also do the things yourself. It's very difficult to lead and, and almost ineffective to lead someone to do something you yourself don't believe in or, or even try to practice. Yeah, you got to lead from the front. You can't. Yeah. Along the way of developing the leadership skills, you will you are experiencing a transformation. And and if you end up doing the podcast, hosting one, mm-hmm. then you your experience with me, if you're leading yourself, will be part of it. Right. If you're talking to other people, leads many many other people to change, to fly less, to eat less meat, to pick up garbage, and things like that. That effect is much bigger than anything you could possibly do on your own. So leading others, I think, is the biggest thing. Yeah, and the world lacks leadership in this area. So the opportunity for the leaders now, you know, anyone listening to this and is thinking themselves, oh, maybe I want to do that podcast. Yeah, then probably I can't think of anything more effective that someone could do, and that enables yeah. like an Oprah Winfrey or Bill Gates to right. They they just simply have more influence than most other people, and so the opportunity for them is like to drastic change. And since no one is leading, there, since no one else is doing it. No one of renown is doing it. Everyone's like, should I avoid the plastic cup? Uh, and they look around in the Starbucks and like, well, everyone else is using a plastic cup because it's okay. And they don't know right. anyone else is doing it. And the people they know who are doing something, they're also flying around right. in Learjets to Davos. Yeah. And they're like, all right, well, I see what they're doing. I'll do that too. I'll also right. tell other people what to do while I do the opposite myself. Which is why like, when, when I hear you say, Oh, I wouldn't, might want to work with Texas evangelists, evangelicals. I'm like salivating. I'm thinking like, ah, I want to read. I think that's the, the, the delta available there because I know right. that once that those communities, I guess there's a lot of overlap. Yeah, yeah. Once they get the feeling, I'm not doing it because Al Gore told me to. I'm not doing this. Right. I'm doing this because this increases my freedom. I'm doing this because it increases my community because this is service to God. Because this right. is what my family is about. Because this is how to be fruitful and multiply, is to live a sweet life and to multiply happiness. Then it's like wildfire is going to take over the country. And the liberals are going to be like, what happened? Well, now we're behind, the, we're behind on this issue. I, we were, <laughs> we're in the front. Oh, I would love that. And then they're going to have to catch up. Yeah. What have you found? Because you've had a lot of discussions. Has it been like that when you've had discussions with people? Like, have you found on both sides of the aisle people, do they just care about it, right? It's not... When you get to what people care about, it doesn't matter the politics. Mm. because when your wife is talking, you're going to talk to an evangelical, a political conservative who grew up on the right. beach too. And they're going to say, they're going to sound exactly the same. Right. And I mean, when I talk to the people at West Point, the Navy SEAL, the baseball pitcher, the congressman, the radio host, all very conservative, very evangelical, one, one or the other or both. Right. It's stewardship. I mean, the guy at West Point, his goal is to defend the nation and he's willing to put his life on the line. That's right. what it's about for him. Right. And his family. It's not a far leap to, to apply that to another area. Well, especially when the area is, is the air that we breathe. I mean, right. if I come in That's and say, I mean. like, oh, yeah. you want clean air, don't you? Then it's like, oh, you're treating me like a two-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> if he says, <laughs> right. I don't know. He didn't talk about, like, if someone said, you know, my son has asthma and we live downstream from this factory. And, like, and they say yeah. that. And then they say something about clean air. That's meaningful. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Totally. And so yeah, politics, that's one of the reasons I get down on, on most environmentalists because they purport to tell us, to tell everyone else what their values 
are and should be. Right. Or what your values are. They're saying your values are not that or whatever, you know. They'll say, think about your family. Think about your children and grandchildren. Oh, I've heard that before. That's so, what's the word? I mean, it's condescending, but it's it's so pat. It's so... Yeah. Like cliche or whatever or something like that. Bludgeoning. Yeah, yeah. You care about your kids, <laughs> right? Oh, no, right. I don't care about my kids. It's, it's like by numbers. It, it, there's no sensitivity to it. What's the opposite of sensitive? Bull in a china shop. Uh, just like ham-fisted. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I, like, I've, it's funny because speaking of like the, the you know, imposing um, conservative evangelists, like I've actually been with my friends who have had, been with atheist friends and they just laugh because there's like a street preacher yelling at people, you know, you're going to hell and you think blah, 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 like yelling at people. And I would go up and say, have conversations with them. And, and I was with my friends once and I said to the guy, and he's like, he's like, these people need to, I said, these people are not listening to you. And he said, he said, well, that's because they're this and that. And I said, no, I said, that's not why they're not listening to you. I said, they're not listening to you because you're being a jerk and treating them like trash. I said, you're yelling at them. I said, you're literally yelling at them like, you need to have the love of God. I was like, I was like, think about that. You know, so my friends would start laughing and because they were just like, they're like, just leave them alone, John. I'm like, no, like I, I, for me, it was like a, and for you, I don't know if it's the, it's the same sort of thing where you see an environmentalist, like, because that's always been my experience. Anybody that, that has approached me with that, you know, if they knew my background, number one, they were instantly just like, okay, you're. I'm not, you know, you're just, you're part of the problem and, you know, and all of that. But even if they didn't know my background, it was definitely like an attack. It was very much like right off the bat, like you need to do this and you need to, yeah, it was very much like that. Like, so it did, it never turned me off because I don't, because I, I, you know, I don't want people to, you know, when I start talking about where I'm coming from, I don't want them to associate whatever they saw on TV, you know, uh, with where my, what my position is, you know, or something like that. So I, I'm, I'm used to that, at least now in my life, I'm at that point where I understand, you know, just because I see some one person doing something, that whole group, that doesn't mean that whole group, whatever it is, is that they speak for that whole group. You know what I mean? But it is interesting. Yeah. It's, it's, you have to approach people in a way where you have to listen. And that's what this technique is. And I'm, yeah. not, you know, I'm, is it the best technique ever? I don't know. It's the best technique I've come across. Can it be improved on? I hope so. Right. No, I right. mean, if, if possible, I hope. That happens. So where things stand, you're going to hear back from a friend that you haven't had that you haven't had the first conversation with. The wife and kids you had the conversation with, and so between over the course of this week, you'll have the second conversations with them. And now you're prepared. You know what that'll be, the structure of the second conversation. Right. Right. And now the question I'm I can't wait to hear is: Are you interested in in doing the podcast? I am. This is where I don't I don't want to tick you off, like because I don't want you to get because I know you're excited and stuff. But I like it's hard for me because I was thinking about it. I'm trying to balance like and legitimately balance a bunch of things right now. So I want to kind of put like official because I'm still going to have conversations with people mm-hmm. and still be doing this. But officially, like in the like, officially like the the official podcast sort of structure or whatever, I want to wait on that because I don't I don't think given my current priorities and what I'm committed to and what I have to do right now, I don't know. I could do it. So you know uh, you know this. I could do it, but it would be super sort of stressful for me. Like even from when we last talked like a week ago, 
like there's, uh, or not a week ago, like two weeks ago or whatever it was, like there's been two or three other things that projects, like major projects and certain things that I've been committed to beforehand that I have now have to move forward with mm-hmm. and stuff. And so it's, it's, it's like, I, what I don't want is to do it, like have it be like perfunctory. I, I, if it stresses me out, like <laughs> thinking about doing it, mm-hmm. I still want to have the conversations, like I said, but the formal structure of having to, you know, to do that, like, I'm like, oh man, I just like it. I'm just being honest. Like it, it kind of, it makes me feel stressed and kind of like, I don't, I don't know if I want to do that or can do that or, you know, so I don't know. Sorry. I, <laughs> I think what I'm reading is that you're, I'm, I'm hearing it in like artist terminology. It's like the technique you don't have yet. And so it's not like comfortable. And so it's, it would take it about, take more work. Yeah. I mean, that's part of it. Yeah. That's part of it. Like I'm fine with that. Like I'm fine with that too, but it's like, I just have a lot co- like coalescing right now and it's hard mentally. Like for me, it, so the type of person that I am is very much like uh, what my wife would describe as like a Belgian waffle kind of a thing, you know, like, so I'm in, like I get in and out of each of these modes, you know, which I'm fine to do. But the problem is like, and, and, I've committed to a bunch of these different modes. And so uh, things that I've already have to do and move forward with. So if I add another one, like I, I have to, at some point, there's so many things that <laughs> it's hard to, it's, I don't know if you, you have a lot of priorities and yeah. you're having trouble meeting all those priorities. Yes. Yeah. And so, you know, and of course, like, you know, the biggest priorities are just, you know, kids and, you know, my wife, like those things, you know, my church family, all that stuff. Like I have those priorities and work. I mean, I have work too, but, I mean, that those are all big priorities and stuff like that too. But so it's hard because I feel like, you know, I'm passionate about a lot too. I'm passionate about a lot of different things. So I have to, <laughs> you know, at some point I have to, I have to cut off certain things. So I, like I said, it's not like I'm saying, I don't want you to think that I'm saying that I don't like it or don't want to do it or don't, cause I'm still going to have those conversations. Like I, I have some pastors in my mind that I'm going to have those conversations with, but you know, scheduling the podcast, doing all that, recording it, like editing it, getting all that up, you know, and doing all that stuff and, and having to schedule all that stuff on top of everything else. Like, cause, because I've got, I've got already a, a couple different projects that I'm rolling out with other people and uh, some projects also that I've previously agreed to that are sort of like podcasty in the way. So, so it'd be like, and I've got to help my son too with the thing that he's doing, like his like his sim racing stuff. I'm like, I know that every the details are unique to you. Yeah, sorry. Everybody yeah. <laughs> in the world has lots of things that they're doing, and so yes, yes. And so what I'm hearing is that you did it. You liked the experience, right? Right. I mean, so far, yeah, so far. You know that the there's other parts that are like you like the conversations, right? The scheduling and recording adds an overhead that's not fun. Like that feels yeah. like it's a bit of um, a mess. It's like, I would guess that when people start painting, probably they get given the paints and the brushes and the palettes and they don't have to stretch uh, canvases themselves and throw the gesso on or whatever. Right. But then after a while, those who really love it, then that probably becomes part of the process that they're like, oh, then now's the, like, right. when I lift weights before I lift, because I don't have a bench, I'm on the floor, I always mop. And I look forward to the mopping because it's part of my ritual. Right, right. And it's not even mopping. It's I like get on my hands and knees with a sponge. And I think of monks. And yeah, yes. Who, and yeah. and the, the, what they get out of it. I don't feel like I'm... Right. Like it was a, when I was a kid, my parents made me clean the floor. I was like, ah, I don't want to do it. Right. 
but now it's <laughs> I'm, yeah i'm in that i was gonna say i'm in that state with my kids right now too there's certain things that they're <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm hoping eventually it, it transitions you know and i would guess that when as you do you probably you didn't say to me you did make make sure that you communicated i do want to have these conversations with in particular with pastors correct so yes. if you have those conversations and they go well you probably you may come back and say they didn't go well i don't want to do this right it was fun with family, but somehow when it wasn't family, it didn't I didn't expect it. it didn't work out that well. That could happen. Right. We might come back and say, "I was talking to my pastor, and I was like, I couldn't. I was so annoyed. I didn't record it. It was it would have been such a great conversation to post." Right. And then if that happens, then you'll come back and say, "Josh, let's work out the details of like how do you schedule? Where do I where do I post the MP3s?" And exactly. And which would be the equivalent of of someone who really loves painting is probably like. I really got to know how this canvas gets stretched. Like, I want to understand why it works this way. And so I got to do it myself. That's exactly right. Yeah, that's exactly sort of, because I, I see, I definitely see a ton of value in it. I really do. And and like I said, I do, like just what you said, I do want to have those conversations. Let's do that. Let me have some conversations. Let me, it's the formality of it that I I, I feel like would, I feel like it would become what I don't want it to become, which is like, I've got to do this. Let me just do this. You know, like, I don't want to do that. You know what I mean? And I don't want it to end up being like that for me, you know? So yeah, I think that's a good, that's a good way to look at it. Like have these conversations, see what happens and then move forward from that. I like that. I like that. If you find the joy, then right. Then we'll do the details. We'll work out the, like how to enhance the joy. And if it's a burden, then we weren't a good thing. We didn't push. Right, right, exactly. Yeah. And, and, you know, like I said, I've already, I mean, I've already been talking to people about it. So I, I may, I mean, I imagine from your perspective, you're like, well, you've already had conversations, you're already doing it. So why don't you just, <laughs> you know, just record and do that? But it's like all, it's the formal side of it that I'm like, I don't want to add another one of those things that I have to do, you know? I'm paying attention to the emotion and the motivation. So I'm hearing yeah. enthusiasm mixed with not dread, but, you know, anticipation of like, ah, a burden. And right, right. That's right. As long as it remains right. burdensome, then it doesn't make any sense to push. Right. And if you're going to have the conversations yourself, then, well, if, if nothing else, you'll probably come back and share the experiences with the pastors here on this podcast. Right. I suspect you're probably going to like it. And you're going to be like, oh, I should have recorded that one. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, why do you have that microphone anyway? Oh, this mic? Yeah. Oh, this is for my students, for my students. From them or for them? Or for them, for my students. Yeah, so I teach, yeah, I've been teaching online for, oh man, for a while. Like I started like back like 15 years or like, I don't even, maybe even 16 years ago, 17. All right, before you go on about that. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I, the reason I asked that was you something motivated you to get a microphone to, yes. com- to communicate yeah. digitally right. over the right. internet. Yeah. So there's something in you that is like, that was probably pain before you got the microphone too. Like, you, yes. were you like me and you're like, can I just use a computer microphone? Can I just use the the ear, earbud microphone? And then right. probably now, if you went back, you if someone was like, if that microphone broke, you probably it would probably would not feel a burden to get to replace it. You'd probably feel like I better get a good one because I can't. Oh yeah, well same with this. Same with this. I've had to, you guys can see it, but if you're looking at the podcast or listening to the podcast, but my Wacom thing that I use to to paint, yeah, like when they break, it's like oh, I, I got to get another one. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's not a burden. Yeah, yeah that's it's right. Like, it would be it would be embarrassing not to. Or right. embarrassing to go right. on, on air and be like, oh, I'm using this mouse. I'm sorry. It doesn't work quite as well as a tablet thing did. Yeah, that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. So if you get there with this, then 
then we'll enthusiastically, then you'll, right. Oh, you know what else might help? It's three weeks away. Cause we just had the last one, but you might think about attending the next podcast host summit. Then you can meet the other people who do it. Do you have that on your website or do you? Oh, this is just in, insider stuff. Oh, okay. So you don't, you don't list it on there. Okay. We've been thinking about doing like clubhouse stuff with it, but it's April 6th. April 6th. Okay. Then that's when the next, we all get together and talk about what works, what doesn't work and, you know, new ideas or what guests we have. Yeah. And like what we're talking about, except more. Right, 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 right. Totally. If this gets out in advance of April 6th and people listening, if they are like, I want to do it, I want to do it. They can get in touch with you real fast. That's right. I want to do it before April 6th. Yeah. Yeah. It's a shame because it's like, if I could just show up and talk, I'd be like, good. I'd be good. You know what I mean? Like I I would have, you know, like that'd be fine with me, you know, but like, it's the other side of it. That's the, that's the tricky part. I mean, even that would, I'd have to, I have to make sure to schedule it at the right time in these next upcoming months. But, but like the mic and like the recording and all that editing, I do that in like probably two or three different formats already. So Mm -hmm. that, I guess that's why it's stressful for me because it would be, it would be adding like a fourth arena that I'm doing that in. You know what I mean? And it's just like, (laughs) it's already hard to get, you know, it's, it's hard to explain without going into what I do or whatever, but I've got like two different formats that I have to do that in already. And then another one that I committed to previously, like with a friend doing some artistic stuff and things like that. And so then having the fourth, it would just be like, it would be. Well, let me try some of that then. Cause there's, I'm going to preface this with the conversation I just had with my editor. So I got a guy who edits the stuff professionally. Yeah. So I just send the files to him and he edits them. Yeah, yeah. But you might've noticed that I start with, the format is start with the guests, roughly 60 second, 90 second, sometimes shorter bit of, uh, I think like an interesting quote from the recording. Then right. it goes into the opening that's like pre-recorded for all the episodes. Right, like welcome right. to the, And then, then I talk about, here's what's about to come, the, my intro. Then is the episode. Uh-huh. Then at the end is my outro, what I learned from that exercise. All right. If I record those immediately after recording, Uh it takes like half an hour Mm -hmm. and I don't really enjoy it because I have to think of what I was writing, what I was like, what's important to say. And, but I thought it added value to the listeners. And I I talked with my, the editor. I was like, you work with a lot of different podcasts. Right. How can I, I really can't stand that. Right. And if I don't do it immediately after recording, then I got to come back to it and I, that means usually, like I'll say, I'll do it later, but later means when that one's up to being edited. And it usually means there's like five or six. Right, right now, there's seven in my queue that I have to record that stuff with. And it means right. I got to listen to it again, which I'm happy to, right. but it takes time. Right. That's right. And then I got to re- right. write down what I want to write and I got to record it. And then That's I got to right. edit the recording. And, I, and it's, oh. Yeah, totally. So I spoke to him and I said, totally. What we came up with is I'm switching formats, which I didn't quite do with you because this is our third episode. Right. But right. I'm just going to start by saying, What's a common format in podcasts is welcome to the sustainable life. This is Joshua Spodak. I'm here with Jonathan Hardesty. Jonathan Hardesty is, and I'll read, I'll ask you ahead of time for your bio or the guest. Yeah. And then I just read like, it should be like a hundred words, you know, something not too long. Now, no intro, no outro, no guest stuff. Right. I record and send it off. There's no half an hour afterward. There's no, if I don't do yeah. it this time, I come back to it later. I can't tell you the burden that has been lifted from my shoulders. Like the, right. I, the stuff that you were talking about about scheduling with people. Yeah. To me, yes, that's there's a lot of back and forth involved with that, especially when it's 
all these famous people, they generally have people who do the scheduling for them and then they have to go back and forth and it's like a third person. In oh it. gosh, yeah, I can imagine. But that's rare now. I mean, that, sometimes that happens, but right. it's much more communicating with a person. Right. Like creating, by the time we speak, there's often something like a friendship. Right. I'm communicating with these like CEOs and the heads of industry. Right. And, you know, here's why, usually there's a way I found them or there's something motivated me. Yeah. Or there's a mutual connection that put us in touch, often a past sure. guest. Sure. So we're talking about that. Like right now, there's this guy, Mitchai Viravadia, who is this Thai guy who in the 70s and 80s transformed. We talked about population. Mm-hmm. Most people, when they think about population, managing population, they think one child policy, forced abortions, forced sterilization, right. government in the bedroom. Yeah. Or they'll think about like social engineering, eugenics. Kind of Right. Racist, sexist, practiced by fascists, leading to more fascism. Now picture the opposite of that and more effective. And that's Machai Viravadya. He in Thailand, he was doing economics on the villages and seeing that if they kept growing, he had learned in the West any problem in economics, joblessness, inequality, inequity, it's all solved by growth. Mm-hmm. So he goes in, he starts saying, okay, let's, let's get these places to grow. And he keeps projecting, he does his, his modeling and the growth shows it gets worse. The inequalities increase, the joblessness increases. So he thinks, let's try not growth. And he puts that in and it works out. So he tries it. He actually goes out to the villages. And I guess because of his particular personality, he starts off with some interesting things. Not no, I don't think he knew where it was going to go. Like he brings condoms with him to schools mm-hmm. and he has them blow them up like balloons and have kind of fun with them. Right. They create a superhero character, Captain Condom, Eventually, he started a nonprofit that started a restaurant, not chain, but a, a several restaurants, a group called uh, Cabbages and Condoms. And when you uh-huh. get your bill, you get a condom with it. Right. And it would provide contraception all throughout the land. And the birth rate went from seven per couple children, just about to, to below two, to below replacement level. And you started going. And the result was more prosperity, more abundance. It was all choice, no coercion. No. And that's interesting. Yeah. This changed my whole view of talking about population because up until then, huh. if the cure is worse than the disease, take the disease. Right, right. But here the cure is freedom. Right. The cure is, is not coercion. Right. And it's all these people, all these families wanted to have fewer kids. Now he's enabling, he's helping them to achieve what they wanted. It's so funny to hear you say that because coming from the evangelical background that I come from, you know, we're all pretty much in agreement. Like if I go to church, we're all pretty much in agreement when we say, oh, we don't want any abortions to happen. And most of the society, most of the society that I've encountered, people don't like them. Like they don't, you know what I mean? Like people don't say, they may, they may feel that they really very strongly want the right to do it, but they wouldn't say, oh, I like them. I think they're great. You know what I mean? Like no one says that. But in the church, but then when I will say to people, I'll say, well, you should give you know, in high schools, you should give them like condoms or whatever. They're like, what? You know, some people are like, what? You're just encouraged. And I've taken the opposite approach. Like, and a lot of people don't like that in the church, but I say dump exactly what you're saying. I I was just talking about it with somebody about like six months ago that they were on Facebook and they said, well, you know, you're, you're against abortion, but you do this. And I said, no, I said, rain condoms down from the heavens on high schools. I was like, load the trucks and dump them in there, you know? Yeah, I would, I would say uh, contraception as opposed to just condoms because there's many alternatives as well. Oh, right, right. But you, yeah, I just and, mean like and, in general, like... And education and change right, culture. Right, and, Like, you know, so, just, yeah. And so, and that way it's like the abortion issue with, with kids that age, 
starts to go away, you know, um, more, at least it will go away more. It, it will be reduced, you know. If you like the show, I recommend acting as my guests do. It works best with someone supportive, your spouse, parents, kids, neighbors, or friends. Learn the four-step process I do with my guests and describe in my TEDx talks and do it together. You'll find yourself acting on something you care about, something meaningful. Whether you start big or small doesn't matter. If you care, if it's meaningful, you'll keep doing it. You'll reach big. Eventually, stewardship will feel normal. You'll wish you had started earlier. Second, I recommend donating to help this podcast at joshuaspodek.com slash donate. I promote degrowth and stewardship, which no advertiser will touch, but brings joy, community, connection, and abundance to you when you act and global change in the long run. Help us keep going. That's joshuaspodek.com slash donate. Yeah, I'm not going to... This is one of the things I anticipate enjoying hearing if your podcast happens, because you're going to be from Texas and a guy from, from Greenwich Village in New York having that conversation doesn't quite go the same. Right. Anyway, the reason I mentioned Machai Virvadia is that my past guest, I, he's been a hero for me as soon as I, from when I learned about him, which wasn't that long ago. And he's in Thailand. But I had a guest on who had worked with him, who talked about when he was in the 80s, he was in Thailand, the, the other guest of mine, Bill Ryerson. And said, that's when I met Machai. And we were at a mass vasectomy event. <laughs> Dude, I just had my third kid. It's a room full of all these people with curtains around and they're all getting vasectomies <laughs> at the same time. Dude, if I, I got to be honest, like if I'm on track for that. So if I, uh, if they were offering a mass vasectomy event here in Texas, I would go. I think. <laughs> I would go. Well, you, you can also do it on your own. I know I'm going to, I'm going to, but I'm just like, I'm right, just then, like, I, then as long as you're talking this, I'm going to throw in that. Because I'd be like, oh, that's convenient. I need to do that. At the risk of too many digressions myself. <laughs> when I got LASIK surgery for my eyes, uh-huh. so I'm wearing glasses now, but this is reading. This is close. Right. I couldn't see distance before. Yeah. I thought, oh, this is great. I'm 20-20. But then I realized I had 20-20 vision before. I mean, my eyes are bad, but I put on glasses right. and that would make me 20-20. What LASIK gives me is freedom from glasses. Right. It doesn't give me 20-20. I could get that with glasses. Right. That's not new. What's new That's is not right. needing the glasses. That's right. What a vasectomy does is not prevent you from having babies. Abstinence does that. Right. What a vasectomy does is give you fun sex. That's right. That's right. So vasectomy is all about having great sex, right. making love. Right. So it's not about having fewer kids. It's about, it's, it's about having, greater, having more sex. That, and that's why that's why I want it. <laughs> so I mentioned the child because yeah. now I'm I'm emailing with him and he sent me a whole bunch of stuff on what he's doing now. So the connection is like I'm I'm connected with the emails are leading to it's building the relationship. I don't think of it as like a burden. Right. Especially at the beginning, most of the podcast hosts are getting people that they know. And they kind of feel like this person's helping me with this podcast that's getting started. And maybe they don't really want to do it. And they haven't yet gotten the feeling of the person saying, thank you. Like you haven't had the second conversations where your wife and kids are like, oh, this is really great. I mean, you've had some of that effect because you've influenced them through your um, commitment. But at some point, some pastor is going to come back to you and say, that thing you talked about, it made into my sermon last weekend. Mm, Yeah. And you're going to say, oh, I didn't realize I could have that effect. This is like, they, they didn't just tell me they liked it. They acted on it. Right. They increased it. Like Jay, the guy that I talked about who um, picked up garbage and then also mm-hmm. uh, decreased his meat. He, he wasn't doing that out of shame or guilt or obligation or anything having to do with me at all. That was right. totally him. So when that happens, you think, oh, I, I shouldn't just do 
just the people that I know, although no problem not right. to, no, no problem with that. But you're going to start thinking like, why am I doing a pastor with a, a church of 2,000 people when there's a pastor with 20,000 people? Right. And if I know that working with that person, they're going to thank me for realizing, I mean, if it's a pastor, they're probably going to realize, now I recognize Jesus's message better. Right. As a result of like, probably for you picking up garbage, it probably puts you more in touch with God. Oh yeah. Less. Yeah. I mean, it's like, like you said, you know, that the stewardship is a very, that's a very biblical word. So it was very, very interesting Christian, when I heard yeah. you say that. Yeah. Yeah. Like create a Christian. Yes. Christian word. Like it's like, that's a, that's a word that's definitely something that would be in like theological conversations, you know? So like in Bible school or whatever. And the more that people feel stewardship where they used to feel dominion and right. associating dominion with domination. Yep. Lording over. And it's more stewarding for future generations. Like, who am I to stand between what a gift that was given to all of us? And now I'm getting more than my shares and someone else is getting less. That's right. That wasn't my gift to redistribute. That's right. And it's the, when it's used most in the discussion is about being, for me and the conversations I've had, it's about being a husband and being a dad, you know? So it's like, that's steward. Like, so the whole idea is how do you become a leader? And the Christ-led example of how to be a leader is a servant leader. That's the whole thing. And so that stewardship and that leadership there, it just resonates with, you know, so that message is there. Yeah. When people in your community that you look up to come back to you and thank you with gratitude, with genuine right. appreciation, gratitude for having, say, brought that more, made that more meaningful to them. Because in our world, there's not a lot of stewardship in this area of the environment. Right. Then you will want to do more. You'll want to connect. Right. You'll, you'll think of like, how do I connect with that other person? And instead of it feeling like a burden, it'll feel more like a, a project, a challenge. Right. And you'll look forward to it. Yeah. Yeah. Let, yeah. That's a good way to look at it. Like, let me ramp up to it, I guess, is the, is the, is what I'll do. I'll ramp up to it, you know, yeah. <laughs> that sort of thing. Right. Right. Or not. I mean, don't do something you don't want to, I, I don't want, I, I don't want you doing something you don't want to do. Right. I mean, you, you can, if you want. Also, if you do, if you're like, I hate this, but I feel like I have to, I'll, I'll support you if you, if right. <laughs> it somehow it works for you, as long as you're going to go do 50 episodes and that's and, right, that's and, right, <laughs> and, and, and dance the brand, uh, use the the TSL brand, right, right, totally. But I'd rather it was like, Josh, I can't believe I didn't record these ones. I got to start. No, it wouldn't. It wouldn't be like that from me, anyways. It wouldn't. I wouldn't be like that. You know, <laughs> that's funny. Well, I guess we're a bit over an hour now. Should we record again next week and? After you've talked to your friend and you'll do, I, it sounds like you'll do three second conversations. Can you do Monday of next week? After hanging up, I'll send the invitation. Okay, cool. Sounds good. Twenty. That's. I didn't just railroad you into that because I just like, should we record next time? And Oh no, it's fine. Oh no, okay. that's fine. I don't mind. I don't mind at all. Like I'm reading that you're enjoying this. Oh yeah, yeah. It's fun, man. I'll let you know if I can. I'm enjoying it so much that I... I I'm not going to talk about it now, but I really want to talk about the the music and the singing and the art. Oh yes! All the every time you talk about art, I'm connect. You know, I'm not painting, but I am totally. The more that I talk about it, the more that I just had a long conversation yesterday with a, with a friend. He started giving me some like a, a lesson in singing, and he was distinguishing between talk singing and singing, and he was talking about thirds and fifths and. He sent me a couple of videos. Oh, I love it. I can't wait. To, I can't. I want to hear the most. I want you to sing now. Can you sing something else? Like, <laughs> I want to hear where you're at. Let's see. I, I'm looking for, I, I don't yet know the words so well that, all right, I'll, I'll go over there where I have my list, where I have my papers with the 
songs and I'll just, whatever's on top, I'll sing. Hold on one second. Yes. I love it. I love it, man. You're just like, you're just like, yeah, let's get it. Let's do it. <laughs> well, I, I'm, if I didn't send you the link, I recorded this on, on an episode. Yeah. So I picked up on, on one side of the paper is uh, true by Spandau ballet. Okay. And the other side is uh, pictures of you by the cure. Okay. Gotcha. And if you want, I could sing, and things really change. I, I normally, it, there's a big shift when I started singing outside as opposed to inside and pe- people could hear me. Mm-hmm. Now there's a shift of, of seeing actually intentionally for someone that really freaks me out. And, uh, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, it's, it's, I mean, that's, you have to get past that, right? I'm sure right. you putting your drawings up for the first time for people to see was probably. Yeah. And painting live and painting outside when I first did it as a student. Mm-hmm. Yeah. is like, it's really nerve wracking. So any preference between pictures of you or Oh, or you got to do the cure, man. You got to do the cure. Cure? Okay. Yeah. Here it comes. Just do a do couple it, lines. The whole song is just a couple lines. Yeah. Just do, do a whole, couple lines. Just do a couple, couple lines. lines. Yeah. I've, and, and I always start a couple words and I go, oh, let me start again. Yeah. I've been looking so long at my... All right, let me... There is my practice. You got it. You got it. I've been looking so long at my pictures of you that I almost believe that they're real. I've been living so long with my pictures of you that I almost believe that the pictures are all I can feel. Remembering you standing quiet in the rain as I ran to your heart to be near and we kissed as the sky fell in holding you close. How I always held close in your fear. Remembering you running soft through the night You were bigger and brighter and wider than snow and screamed at the make-believe, screamed at the sky. And you finally found all your courage to let it all go. There. That was... Nicely done. And the siren starts to... I know, I heard somebody like... Somebody was doing something. (laughs) There's a siren, yeah, I live across the street from a firehouse. So that was... That was my first, uh, there's always first, I don't know, my first time mm-hmm. like seeing for someone while it's being recorded. Nice, man. Just now? Yeah, I've recorded before, but not with someone like, well, I wasn't looking at you. I had to look at the words. Yeah, dude, that was awesome, man. That was good. It's a, so what was your friend saying? You said your friend was saying something about... Well, he was saying that there wasn't musicality to it. He didn't say that mm-hmm. with those words. He was saying, he was saying talk singing. He said, do this, Josh. Imagine someone across the street and go, boo. Right, boo. right. That's projecting. He said, right. You could tell that when he asked me to hit a couple notes with him. Yeah. You could tell from my nervousness that I was trying. Right. And when you're going, boo, when I'm going, I've been looking so long. Right. I, I don't know yet. Then there's no hiding behind that. You commit, you have to express yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas yeah, right yeah. now, I'm just kind of putting music to the words. Yeah, totally. Or putting. And, and then there's all sorts of stuff of like hitting the note. Like I didn't know what a third was, what a fifth was and what chords, right. What was going on there. So he explained a bunch of that to me and I started connecting with some other things. One of them was that I played ultimate Frisbee at a very high level nationals worlds. Oh, wow. Cool. So every now and then I'll be with some friends and someone has a Frisbee and they're like, yeah, let's throw it. And now it's been so many years since I played (laughs) that I just throw it. And they're like, whoa, what did you just do? I'm like, I just threw the first one. They're like, how come when everyone else throws it, it wobbles? But when you throw it, there's no wobble. Right, right. 
And every throw, it can curve to the left, it can curve to the right, it can right. go straight, it can go fast, it can rise, it can go down. It can, there's lots of nuance to it. Right. I don't think about it. I'm just, you were talking earlier about a submission to the craft in an artist. And yeah. when I'm throwing a Frisbee in a game, back when I did, there's like, someone's making a cut. And if they're cutting from the left to the right, the disc should come from the right to, toward them so that the defender doesn't have a chance at it. Right. At the same time, there's the wind, there's the other players on the sure. field, there's the defender playing me. Right. There's, is it early in the game? Is it late in the game? Do we, are we playing offense or are we playing defense? I mean, are we playing offensively or are we playing defensively? How tired are we? And all this right. stuff goes into like, what's the optimal throw? And the best I can do is to not let the technique be in the way, is to deliver the best throw. That's and right. the, there's a, that's an art. Right. And I mean, any athlete knows that art and athletic, there's so much overlap. Sure. So then I could, that, the idea of the disc leaving my hands with no wobble and going on the trajectory that I anticipated, despite what the wind might be. Right. I couldn't, I didn't really think about hitting a note that way. I, I didn't right. know how, because I downloaded these things about voice lessons. I'm listening to them. I'm like, how can I tell if I'm doing it right or wrong? Not wrong. Like, don't I need a teacher? Right. And then I thought, I just do it and do it. And I, I, this is what I would tell when I was a senior in college and the refreshment first starting to learn the game. They're trying to figure out the throws. And they're like, how should I do this? How should I do that? I, the advice I gave to them is throw it many, many, there's only so many times you can throw a disc before it clicks. Right. Which is partly what I'm doing with the singing is there's no, I figured there's only so many times I can sing it wrong before it's something like <laughs> I'm constantly, something in me is going to be searching to get it a little more expressive. A little well, more. Right. I mean, I think that's what happens. Like the, I think like the doing is what brings up the questions, you know? Yeah. So like you do it and you're like, wait, so, cause somebody looks at you, throw it and they're like, okay, well he's, he was just standing here. The wind's the same, you know? Yeah. My hand's different or my arm's different or whatever, but it's like, but can I get it? Can I get it like that? So then you just like either subconsciously or consciously start making those changes. So I think like the way you're approaching it is awesome. Cause it's just, you know, when you just get out and do it, like, that's the first thing It's like, just get out and just start doing it. And, and what I've seen with singing is like, people will, will be somewhere in the spectrum, but they'll either do what you're doing where it's more understated like that. And they're afraid to kind of belt it and be like, yeah, I'm Whoa! holding back. I'm definitely holding back. Yeah. Right. And, or but I don't know the, how. There's the other side though, too, where I've seen people that go, ah! like they, they, they're like pushing so hard when they're, and that's probably the type of person that I would be, but like, but it's like pushing too much. So it's finding that, that balance. And then, but yeah, like you said, you just have to, I think the doing is what brings up the questions. And so many people just want to sit around and talk about oh, stuff, yes. you know? That's and what the podcast so, is about. Yeah. 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 So the doing is what, is what gives you, you don't know what to solve until you figure out what the question you is. Face the problem. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So what I was saying with my friend yesterday was, or it was Friday. Also, I had this, like, I would see Michael Jackson singing as a five-year-old mm -hmm. and I just, okay. Some people were born singing and some people aren't. Of course he had been practicing and practicing, practicing, practicing by that stage already. Yeah. And then there are going to be some who can, you know, there's some people he was describing that like, some people are born with a face that belongs on a, on a magazine cover right. and some people aren't. And there's only so much you can do. And so vocal cords probably have totally qualities that like some people like listening to something, but it didn't, I, I knew intellectually, but hadn't really connected with singing about how much work it takes. Right. And I guess a lot of people look at that environmentally. They're like, they look at me and they're like, Oh, well you can do that because blah, blah, blah. And you know, 
just like I would think that other people can. What and I also connected with physics because maybe it was you I was talking to. I think yeah. that asked mm-hmm. me what the was that. What, I forgot if that was when it was being recorded or after the recording. Yeah, we were talking about yeah, like the arts and the art in physics and yeah. I would guess I sounded pretty compelling. I didn't. Yeah, that was just how I view the world. It, right. it, it's there's a freedom that I have in my art of physics right. that has come through practice and practice and practice. And it's effortless. Well, and that's what I wanted to hear from you because I, like, I have suspicions about it, but it's the same, you know, your suspicions about singing and then you go try it and, you know, but I was, that's why I was curious about your perspective after spending so much time using math and you can kind of get down to like the brass tacks of it, you know, or whatever, like really tell me, you know, you've been through that and what's, in, what's, you know, you could tell me that perspective from an educated stance. You know, I can sort of jump to that <laughs> that end point by hearing what you're saying, you know. <laughs> and now, yeah, I wouldn't have sung before at all. And now it's, I kind of look forward to the chance when I can, I know I'm going to feel embarrassed, but I have to get past that. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, there's nobody like, I I, I played in a band and we would like play and sing and stuff like that. But then there's always that one part in the song where it's like, and you're like, you got to go for it. If you don't go for it, you don't get it. If you don't control and, you know, like get that note, you don't get it. And because I wasn't the greatest singer, I just sang backup. But but then I would, so I would, on the days where I didn't feel like up to it, or I was like, I was like, wow, it's loud. Like, you know, the mix is different, whatever. You know, you're thinking it's so self-conscious. And then that self-consciousness makes you miss it, you know? It's just like self-fulfilling prophecy. Like if you, it, you know, you just have to say, if I'm going to hit it, if I'm going to miss it, I'm going to miss it big and whatever. <laughs> You're saying that is, yeah. It, now I'm having the conversations that liberate and free and realize that, oh, my struggles are the human struggle, not my. Oh, totally. It's not that I have trouble with singing. Everyone has trouble with singing. That's right. And everyone who sings well practice through those things. Right. Yeah. Cause yeah, every song is like, there are a couple in there, like the remembering you that there's a pause, like remembering you standing quiet in there, remembering you standing quiet in the rain there. I kind of, I think the words glissand or like I connected mm-hmm. you standing, but for a long time, I'd say remembering you standing quiet in the rain with a big pause there. Mm-hmm. Better or worse. I don't know. I'm just playing it out in different ways, but right. There are other parts that are like um, in Big Yellow Taxi, which most people know is uh, they pay paradise and put up a parking lot. So the beginning, or there's like they, they pay a paradise and put up a parking lot with a pink hotel, a boutique, and a swinging hotspot. Don't it? That part's really easy. Sing song almost. Yeah. Then there's a later one that's like they took all the trees and put them in a tree museum and charged the people a dollar and have to see them. Yeah. They took all the trees and put them in a tree museum. Something's off there. Yes. And they charge the people a dollar and a half to see them. Something's really wrong there. I can't quite get it. But <laughs> That's the next not an one easy is, song. It's da na 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 na. The chorus is easy. Yeah, but no, but it like but, jumps. Na 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 na. Like it's it's a. That's not a. And then oh, it's not easy. Okay, I'm probably messing up in ways I don't know. Like I mean, that's not an easy melody line. Like if you're trying to learn to sing, especially for a guy, that's a little bit. It's kind of in a weird range, and it's that's hard. <laughs> huh. I, I mean, the Counting Crows does a version of it that, that yeah. that's the one that motivated me to it. Yeah, there's a line that goes, "Hey, farmer, farmer, put away that DDT now. I don't care about spots on my apples, but give me the birds and the bees." Right. 
the Hey Farmer Farmer, I, I've never gotten it once. And when the Counting Crows version, <laughs> he does it like, Hey Farmer Farmer. I, I don't know <laughs> right, what he's doing. Right. Well, he's, so yeah, the I'm Counting Crows guy. Getting, oh gosh, man. That's like, it's like one of those people that you can't even duplicate. Like you can't duplicate his voice at all either. It's so, I mean, he's got such a unique way of, of yeah. hitting the notes and sliding in and out. It's like, man, that's a tough one. You know, you picked a tough um, one. This is gratifying to hear. Yeah, it's really seriously. Like I could, if somebody said sing like the Counting Crows guy, I'd be like, no, no, I'm not going to do that. I'd be like, I mean, I can't sing very well either, but I, I'd be like, I'm not even going to attempt that. I'm like, I'm not even going to like, no, that guy, you know? <laughs> so that's, man, you picked a hard one. You picked a hard one. Well, I mean, they're all hard. <laughs> that's yeah, it's true. It's very true. When you, yeah. And, and Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. You, I was just going to say it's like well over 90 minutes. And yes. so I don't want to lose too many potential listeners. That's right. Yeah, we should. We should wrap it up. And like I said, I'm the I'm the rabbit trail king. So we need to we need to wrap it up. Sorry. <laughs> well, that part will be we'll see how that translates into if should the podcast happen, then mm-hmm. we'll see how that translates because it'll everyone makes it their own. Right. Right. Totally. All right. Anything to close this episode on? No, man. It's just it's good talking to you. And, and man, good to hear you sing. Come on. You got to include <laughs> that. Include that. I love it. Like oh, sure. the fact sure. that you were just like, yes, I'm going to do it. Like, I'm not going to do it and then not, not get the... Okay, good. Okay, good. People are writing, they're like, you're so brave to do that, which is like, that's code for it, it sucks, but I'm glad that you're going to make it better. Oh yeah, totally. But it, but it's the same thing as like, if somebody asked me to speak publicly, like teaching art and one thing, but if somebody said, hey, put together a, you know, a presentation, like your TED stuff, oh my gosh, man. Like if I think about that, like I, that makes my knees knock. Just being up there and having to have a structured 45 minute, like I could see, I'd go up there and paint. I'd go up there. If you gave me a guitar and I was like singing, Mary had a little lamb and singing like kids songs or whatever. I mean, I don't even care what it was. I'd be fine. But man, you get me up there and I have to have like a structured 45. Oh no. I, that's, <laughs> I, that just, that seriously rocks my world. So if that's the way you feel, about singing and stuff like that. And you're just like, if somebody's like, hey, go up here and do this TED talk. And I was like, yeah, let's go. Uh, like, that's hardcore, <laughs> uh, man. That's hardcore. I, I, I see where you're coming from. <laughs> yeah, the podcast is hard to start too. Yeah. But that's where we'll end and we'll pick up here next time. Awesome, man. Hey, thanks, dude. Same here. Talk to you again soon. Yeah, thanks. How many people are bringing a message of joy from what everyone calls saving the environment, but I call the future? Step-by-step, step, this podcast is creating a culture of joy, community, and connection around sharing and acting on our environmental values. Again, there's no profit in buying and wasting less, but we'll all love our lives and relationships more when we do. I can use your support. Please donate at joshuaspodick.com donate. Again, that's joshuaspodick.com donate.